bless you this this morning we worship you we give you glory we bless you we honor you our god our king our our lover the lover of our soul we are in love with you we are in love with you this morning we declare our love for you we sing our love for you we bless you lovely 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 lord lord of heaven you who angels worship the most beautiful the most comely of all we worship you our lord jesus christ the son of the father who seated at the right hand of the majesty on high our great and merciful and faithful high priest who has been consecrated for us who has passed into and through the heavens we worship you jesus christ the son of god we give all glory to your name this morning we we just give you glory because of the savour of your good ointment your name is as ointment poured forth therefore do the virgins love thee thank you for drawing us closer for causing us to run after you thank you for your love which you have shared thank you because we will remember thy love more than wines we will love you our father thank you for the gift of righteousness which you are opening up which you are bringing which you are revealing by which we have access to you our father this morning we come before you um, in all reverence and in all worship we're asking, Lord, let your mercy be extended towards us today. In As we fellowship, we are gathering, Lord, to connect more of your grace, to connect more of your mercy. Father, we're asking for your heavens to open this morning and let the blessing come down uh, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm asking for every heart today, Father, to find access to fellowship with you in the name of Jesus. You are, you are declaring your loves. You are speaking of your love. You are speaking of that beautiful intention which you have for us. To share in your very love. To share in your fellowship. Lord, we thank you for that this morning. Lord, we yield to you, not by our own strength but by even the strength which you have supplied by your spirit this morning i ask father let there be a quickening of every heart a quickening of every spirit every person this morning to fellowship with your truth to fellowship with your word at that level which you desire this morning father i thank you the word says you sent your word and it healed them and it delivered them Father, I pray for healing and deliverance this morning. You said the leaves of the trees for the healing of the nations. Let, let those leaves minister to our soul this morning. Thank you, our Father. I give glory to your name. Father, we pray for the ministration of the word. Today, Father, we're asking me the, this ministration of the Spirit bring about 
the giving of life. Amen. Father, I, for every heart and every soul that connects, I yield myself to you, my God. I ask, use my tongue and use my heart and use me as your oracle to speak your word this morning so that we can be blessed. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good morning, everybody. Praise God. Um, you're, you're welcome, everyone. I just greet someone and welcome them today. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's go to the book of First John. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, let's uh, see First John chapter four. Read from verse one. Let's just take it from the top. Um, praise God. Okay, let's go. Let's go down to. Let's go down to verse. Fourteen. First John chapter. Chapter four. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's read verse 7. Let's just read verse 7 first. Praise God. Uh, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is, is born of God and knoweth God. Praise the Lord. And he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And in this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Therein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Praise God. Amen. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. For no man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Praise God. And thereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. And whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love of, that God had to us. God is love and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. Praise the Lord. Um, 
and God in him. Let's read verse 16 again. We have known and believe the love that God had to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love, praise God, dwelleth in God, and God in him. And herein is our love made perfect, that we have, we have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. And he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Praise the Lord. Amen. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hated his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also praise the lord amen uh so this is john just writing about uh john is speaking from a place um that he has an allocation of the spirit in terms of ministry praise god and uh, amen so john um is speaking you see in chapter one in chapter one he made a mention of of where the dimension from where he's writing from. Praise the Lord. In in this first John chapter one, you see, um, he says here, um, verse three, that that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. Praise God, and truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his son jesus christ and verse 4 now says these things write we unto you so that your your what your joy may be full praise god uh, so what he is writing paul what thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Uh, so what they are writing, verse 4, uh, what he's writing, so when he says these things, praise God. So what he means by these things are things that pertain to this allocation of writing that John is giving praise god um and he said that the purpose of this allocation of writing is so that joy may be full amen is so that joy may be what may be full so there is a an allocation of the word of god that brings about the fullness of joy or the fulfillment of joy praise god and so that that portion out of that that portion of the Word of God is, is the allocation of the ministry of the New Testament, which John had. John actually, um, one of the reasons for John is to, is to bring a fullness to things that Paul had ministered. Uh, amen. He came actually to bring, there is, a, there is a dimension 
of fullness. John is not only, I know they call him John the Divine, praise God, or John the Beloved. And, and from his revelation, of, uh, his, 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 his writings, especially the book of Revelation, but even the book of John, um, there's a sense to, to think that John maybe just ministers God's things or, praise God, uh, maybe Paul is a minister of Christ, John is a minister of God, and there's a way to just to see that way. But John didn't just minister maybe God. John was also a minister of Christ. But John ministered the, full, the fullness of Christ. Praise the Lord. If you, there's, there's plenty of Christ inside of John. Right, you saw where um, John was writing in chapter in chapter two about he's the one who John is the person who unveiled the operation of the Antichrist. Right, it takes fullness of Christ to cite the Antichrist operation. Praise the Lord, and he's the one that they, they now began to put demarcations around the doctrine of Christ. He said, "Look, if he hath not the doctrine of Christ, he hath not God." Praise the Lord, and he who denied that doctrine also denies the father and this i think that was his second his second john praise the lord so so that so john um was a john wasn't just a wasn't just ministering god john was actually um john was trying to bring um the, the majority of john was to bring he ministered around the 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 era the season or the the, the dimension of fulfilling christ and that place is a difficult place to minister because of other place that's the realm of contention you know when you are joining in the holy place and then you are approaching altar that and the veil that dimension there's a lot of contention praise god and and so a lot of john's writing um was so john and you see a lot of ministration concerning love in his writing praise god and and so um so john was it's called john the beloved john the divine amen because his his message was actually a love message yes, sir. praise the lord so john was a minister of the the perfection of love praise god because christ you are supposed to minister Christ into love. And then how a soul does affairs in the love of Christ, that is actually where they mark the script concerning journey in Christ. Because when people journey in the faith of Christ or the faith of the Son, a lot of times, and John made an example of such people who they journey, but never, they were not able to journey into the love. And stay in the love. When some of them, when it got, when the love requirement began to come, they now began to discover them that they were not all of us. That some of them went out, praise God, because they couldn't, they couldn't maintain and they couldn't keep the commandment of of love, praise God. So that um, aspect of love, and and every every learner, every student of Christ, praise the Lord. Every student of Christ, when you when you you learn Christ. Beginning with the faith of the Son, you begin to learn the faith of the Son, and you keep learning Him and learning Him and learning Him. Of course, that would generate faith walk, praise God, inside the soul. Amen. 
and that will that will move a person into so to speak almost like the wilderness of the spirit a place where they begin activities of training to begin to to solidify the feet of a soul in the in the realm of christ amen and so you say any soul who began who begins that journey they will journey and journey and after a point you now find there, there has to be a transition into from a faith conversation into a love conversation is it is necessary for every soul who has journeyed for a long time in the faith of christ at some point the the conversation of journey moves from just faith amen to another kind of operation which is still faith but it is a faith is faith that has got into its foot bearing point praise the lord so when the, the, the fruit bearing of faith is love. Right? So the faith of Christ or the faith of the Son should now become, should after a while turn into love inside of a person. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So, so John then began to, John was a teacher of the curriculum of love. Praise the Lord. He was a, John was a teacher of the word of the curriculum of love the curriculum of love was his emphasis praise the lord so so you now see um in this john chapter one um he was now declaring the dimension of this um the dimension of these beings you know the this those three beings the spirit then the word praise god and the father and God, but but they are all God. Praise the Lord. But all those beings, they are the they are the the entities that Christianity wants to give to. So the purpose of Christianity and the Scripture and all that is to bring, give men the inheritance of those entities in the spirit. Praise God. And, and so what John is saying here is that there is a portion of them that I am ministering from. If you want to distribute the the administrations of God to men, there are, there are ways you can divide them. There's first an administration of pure Holy Spirit. Then you now move into the administration of who? Of, of Christ. Or that second person, he has his different, you can lay him out in his operation, begins operating as Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. Operating as Christ. Then you now see Christ who is the Son of God. Amen. And then, so there is another dimension of Christ that has to do with his sonship. That not just sonship, but his begotten sonship. There is his sonship and his begotten sonship, which is the sonship of God that has received the divine essence. I praise the Lord. So there's that sonship of God. Then you now you move beyond that. You now come into the fatherhood. There's the fatherhood of the second entity. In the Godhead, he also has a fatherhood component. Praise God, because that was one of his names that Isaiah mentioned. He calls he's called the everlasting father. Praise God. And amen. So the, the meaning of fatherhood just means the end of sonship. Right? Fatherhood means the end of sonship. Everybody who is a son and who is just a son. A son means that when he's just a son, it means that he hasn't finished his journey. The, the, the purpose of every son is to become a father. 
Praise God. Do you see that? Um, so when you give birth to a child, the purpose of what the father is, the child is doing is to make the son become also a father. When, by the time you've trained him and you've put things inside him that, are of, that has brought him to fatherhood, you can leave him alone. Right? You mean you finished your job. Now, any, any father who raises a son and hasn't put things that of fatherhood inside the son, you've not finished the development of the son. Praise God. So, so a son hasn't finished developing until he becomes a father. Do you see that? And when he's a father, it doesn't mean he's no longer a son. He still has a father. But he now is also a father because he now has a stature. Praise God. Are you seeing that? So, so the Lord um, Jesus, that second person, also has his fatherhood st- stature, his fatherhood role in the Godhead. Do you see that? Praise God. And so when you, when you check that fatherhood place, in essence, you see when you see Jesus, who is the father, then you now compare him with God the father. When you look at their fatherhood operation you, or their essence as fathers, you won't see difference. Because the father did an accurate job, made sure that this one is also has to be a father like me. You, there's not, no deficiency. Praise God. The only difference you will see in them is their operation now. In other words, God the Father said, okay, I've raised you and I'm a father to do things for me that I don't have to do. So I can, be, I can be a seated father upon the throne, praise God. And you can be a father who now who goes forth and brings other sons to, to glory. Are, are you seeing that? So the, the father who operates in the holy place is not God the Father. He's actually the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Do you, do you understand that? The fatherhood, the father who operates where in the holy place, uh, uh, or, or, or the father who does lordship f- that concerns development of men, raising them, bringing them, receiving them. Are you seeing all those things? It's the it's a father who the father raised to do a fatherly job towards men. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, so that thing. So, the, so John is saying here that uh, there are things. Uh, the, uh, the, the aspect I'm ministering about is a particular. I don't know how, how the word to put it. It's a um, in the whole curriculum of of journeying to God. There is um, there is particular like like if a uh, amen. Um, there is a there's a particular allocation of statues that I am ministering concerning, and he, he demarcated and called it the Father and the Son. Amen. He's, he called it the what? The Father and the Son. Let's let's read that in in verse. Praise God. Let's read verse that in verse three. Uh, okay, if we can read from verse two, it says the life was manifested and we have seen it. And, and bear with witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Praise God. Amen. And that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with who? With the Father and then with his son, Jesus Christ. 
Praise the Lord. So with the Father, fellowship with the Father and with who? With his Son, Jesus Christ. Praise God. So you see, that word Son, the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Um, so I believe that this Sonship is talking about the, the begotten Sonship of God. Praise the Lord. The, the what? The, the begotten Sonship of God. Amen. So, the Son of God who, who has been begotten by the Father. Amen. It's Son of God who has been what? Begotten. Who has been begotten by who? By the Father. And he said, and these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. So, it's for the purpose of fullness of, of what? Of joy. Amen. So, the, the, the place where they bring fulfillment of joy is, um, is when you, you are finishing the work of sanctification. Praise God. You know, joy, joy, the ministry of joy begins, um, well, I, I feel like the whole, the entire priestly ministry is actually a ministration of joy. Praise God. Like the, all, all priests, one of the, the, the purpose of the training of priests is to impart the joy of the Lord. Amen. Unto who? Unto the, unto the people. The purpose of priestly ministry is for the giving of the joy of the Lord. So anywhere the, anywhere the, test, the testament or the testimony of God or the commandments of God goes forth to any realm it travels to it's a bringer of of what of joy is a bringer of what is a bringer of joy but joy must increase and increase and increase and increase until there will be a time when joy has become full there is a fullness of joy any any time you hear the words of God, it is actually a joy. It's a, it's a time of joy. Every tiding of God carries joy. Praise the Lord. Every ministration of, of God. Amen. Amen. So, so if the priest, when the priest comes out and the priest stands, let's say, in front of the tabernacle, as they do sometimes in those days, and he carries portions of the law and begins to read to the people, that time is that is actually a that's actually a, a a convocation of joy because the the hearing of the words of the lord it actually causes joy to what to arise on the inside so this joy that comes from the giving of the that comes from the law of the lord praise god um, this joy, they also call it delight in the book of Psalm chapter 1 in this Lord, does, does it delight amen day and night whose delight is in the law of the Lord and praise and, and it doesn't meditate what day and night, praise God um, do you remember when um, when Ezra the prophet, I think that was in the book of Nehemiah or so, when Ezra the prophet, after the exile Praise God. And that exile was they brought people from Babylon. Amen. They were going to bring them to build the temple. Am I correct? Praise. Was it the temple of the walls? 
it was the walls, yes. Ezra's exile was the walls. They were going to build the walls, amen. And so after they, they brought them to there, and by that time they had not had there the law of the Lord. Many of them that had, been, had, that had been in exile for a long time, they hadn't heard the law of the Lord for a very long time. So one of the things that they now commanded them to gather the people, the Lord told them, gather people, he now called all the priests, he now told them from, and he, he sent priests among the people, right, that, that were standing very close to the people that were echoing the reading of the law. And he said from morning till night, they began to just read the law. And Israel hadn't heard the laws of the Lord for a very long time. Amen. And as they were hearing, many of them began to weep. They began to cry. All kinds of amen. And that's where that verse, the joy of the Lord is your strength, came from. So there was an impartation of joy. It was actually, some of them were crying tears of joy because of the emotions of hearing the words of God. Praise the Lord. So that was for natural Israel. Amen. But for Israel in the spirit, for every soul who is, who is born again, there is element of joy in every revelation that comes from God to the soul. The actual process of revelation is a joyful process. I mean, when you break down revelation process to the moment a revelation occurs to a heart, it's a joy that happens. It, without a joy, an excitement of the, of the, of the heart, they, they can't be bringing forth of... In other words, it's not possible for the word of God, the revelation of, from the, of the Spirit... To come into the heart without a joy experience. Praise the Lord. Are you getting me? Without what? Without a joy experience. Amen. Now, but you have to, so you have to hear joy and hear joy and hear joy and hear joy until a point where joy now needs to become full. The soul has to become full of joy. Amen. Amen. Now, this, the time when they, they begin to make joy to be full, that's the season when, praise God, when they, they, are, um, they are actually um, trying to make the soul a lover. To love the commandments. To love, they're trying to make the soul to fall in love. So it's not possible to fall in love without joy. Amen. So nobody can, will ever and can ever fall in love with anything that doesn't make them joyful. Praise God. So even, even in the way, the, and the devil knows that the way he even makes men love things, he creates a counterfeit kind of joy, something that feels like joy. It's not joy, but it, you must create that kind of a feeling of, of joy or, or happiness. That's the word we know. <laughs> So that in every lust that the soul subscribes to or does is because there's a feeling it awakens. It has to anything that that doesn't that doesn't create such an I- impact on the heart, the soul will never love it. The soul will never love it. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> am I am I making sense? Am I making sense? Now you, you now discover that even the part of faith is a part of joy. Faith, faith is also a part of joy. The part of suffering is a part of joy. 
as well. Praise God. Do you know that? That's one of the training of wilderness season. The training of wilderness season is to is the training is where they teach the soul. They want to teach the soul how to depend on God for things. And the way they do it is they bring seasons, adverse season to the soul, season of necessity, season of difficulty to the soul. And the, the training of the spirit is to use those things to teach teach the soul how to count things joy that is a contrary to the provisions of the devil. Contrary to the provisions of the world. See, so they would take it so you have been abused for a long time by the counterfeit joys of the devil, which the world supplies. Because the, the world, the purpose of the cup of the woman is to make a soul joyful. And that those cups are cups of abomination. They are cups of lust. Praise God. And so whenever you drink them, there is an excitement of the heart of a person that makes the person accept death, accept things that can kill. Praise God. So the purpose of wilderness seizing or the purpose of suffering, suffering, the purpose of suffering to a, to a believer is that that thing that the world has told you, you need this thing to be joyful. Take in the process of us removing it, then you will now you count it joy. That's James chapter one. Praise the Lord. He said James was defining the purpose of tribulations and trial. What is the value? What does tribulation, trial, necessities? What does it impart unto the soul? What is the value of that part? Amen. Is for the purpose of teaching the soul to count joys contrary to the provisions. Of the world, praise God. So he said, "Count it all joy when you pass through diverse temptations, all kinds of things. Count it all joy." For tribulation, walk at patience. Patience, Amen. You see that one in the book of Romans, chapter one, and that Romans chapter five was speaking concerning the part of faith, being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God, and by whom also we have. Access into this grace, amen, in which we stand and rejoice in the glory of God. To and say what rejoice in what? In the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. He's talking about the same thing. Are you seeing that same? What is the meaning of that? You glory in tribulation. Amen. That word glory in tribulation is talking about it is you are you are expose your heart to the to the provision. Of joy in which the, the, the season of tribulation is bringing. Are you seeing that? Praise God. The word glory, what's the meaning of that? It's talking about you are rejoicing, actually. It's a rejoicing. When you're glorying in something, it's a rejoicing in something, in tribulation. Because tribulation work at patience. Patience, experience, or character, character, hope, and hope that does not disappoint for the love. Of God is then shared abroad. Are you seeing the, the the end of the tribulation process is to make love to be shared abroad? Are you seeing that? So now, which love it is? So the purpose of tribulation is for the substitution of love. So if take a soul who loves the world, who loves the natural life, who loves their own life, they love they love their things. 
If you don't take through that, that soul, through season of separation from those things they've fallen in love with, you can never get that soul to love God. Amen. You can never do what? You can never get the soul to love God. So, what you must do is a, is a process. You must get that soul to move the soul into tribulation. And the purpose of tribulation is to, is to in, install a different love inside the soul. Amen. Amen. Is to install what? A different love. To install a different love inside the soul. Amen. Amen. Does that make sense? So, so you're seeing what, what John is saying. John, as I said, is a minister of love, but a minister of love is also a minister of, of the fullness of joy. A minister of love is a minister of the fullness of joy. So, who is a lover? We were speaking last time on Wednesday. We said a lover is somebody who has what? Somebody who has, who has kept. Kept means you have, you have rested with it. You have taken it. You have accepted it. And you say, okay, this thing is not my own. Praise God. And so, so that the purpose of that process is there is love has to do with fullness. Praise God. Love has to do with fullness. How does a, a guy loves a lady? Is that the lady is feeling him. He's making him full. If she's not making him, if he's not full of her, he, you will see he can't love her because he will be, still be looking for other things. Are you getting me what I'm saying? He's still looking, he will still be looking at other ladies. He will be looking at other places because his heart hasn't fallen in love. He hasn't kept. So love must feel. It's fullness. Love, love answers every, every hunger. Or every... Love answers every demand of joy. Love answers the joy demand of your soul. The, it under what love satisfies. Amen. Love what satisfies the soul. It makes the, the love makes the soul feel. Ah, I have this one. I'm now okay. I don't. I'm okay. This one has made me okay. I don't need any other one again. When when you see such a soul, then that soul that has just fallen in love is now a lover of that thing. Praise God. Are, are you getting me? So, now let me tell you something else. True love that cannot be shared. True love cannot be what? You cannot be shared. If you, are, if you are sharing it, it's not love. You can't share. Love does not share. Praise, praise God. Because love involves something called jealousy. Praise God. Love as strong as death. Jealousy as cruel as the grave. They are together. So, jealousy just means... Jealousy is the unwillingness of the heart to share. Praise God. So, love, love takes all. Love is a conqueror. Love doesn't go to battle and then leave some things behind. It doesn't spare anything. Praise God. Love takes everything. 
Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, so love actually means a, a satisfaction within the heart. Jesus spoke about that in Matthew chapter 6. Remember what Jesus said? He was speaking, you can't love two masters. You, when you, you find yourself hating one, if you, if you try to love two masters, you always find that you are actually hating one and you are loving the other. Do you understand that? Because that's just the nature of love. Is the devil anyway? The devil tells you, you can do two is a lie. He, you are not really doing the two. Is anytime the devil tells you, don't worry, I can share. You can love me small and love God small. He can, the devil can do that. He will tell you, so don't worry, don't worry. You, you don't have to be full with of all these things. These things don't have to take over your life. Just give a portion of your life and give it to these things, and then you have other things. But he's a liar. When you now really check, come back and check, you find out that all the other things have taken everything. Because you cannot serve two masters. You end up loving one and you hate the other one. Praise the Lord. So, so anytime you are speaking of love, John, John was a minister of fullness. Praise God. John is to, the purpose of John is to take people who have been hearing Christ's doctrine and hearing that Christ's doctrine. John is a bringer of the operation that can make a soul full. Of all the things that Christ wants to minister, praise God, to make a soul full. Paul mentioned that, that, um, that state in Ephesians chapter 4. He calls it the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Praise God. Now, that fullness of Christ, it's not what he mentioned. If you check in then chapter 3 of Ephesians, the chapter before chapter 4, he spoke about first Christ dwelling in your heart by faith. That's one level of Christ dwelling in your heart. You know, there are, he spoke about two different indwellings of Christ in that chapter 3. Praise God. He first spoke about the first indwelling of Christ where he would dwell by faith. Then, after a while, you now become rooted and grounded in love. It's still an indwelling. And he explained it that you will now come to know, together with all the saints, you will know the height, the length, the depth, the breadth. To know the love of Christ, that passeth knowledge. That is the, the next fullness. Are you seeing that? So, it's not to that, that knowing the love of Christ that passes knowledge, it is, it is the... Praise God. It is, the, it is the Christ dwelling in your heart by love. Are you seeing that? That point is also in what he call, refers to in chapter 4 as the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is the level of fullness. It's the level of fullness of Christ. Then in chapter 3, he now mentioned, he now spoke about being filled with all the fullness of God. After you've known the love of Christ that passeth knowledge. Am I correct? Yes, then next thing that will happen to you is you now begin the process of being filled with all of the fullness of God. Amen. Amen. So you now see that that part of dimension, so the ministration of knowing what is the height, knowing what is the depth, knowing what is the length, knowing what is the breadth, Knowing that what is height, when you go height, depth, length, and breadth, what is the meaning of that thing? It's fullness. 
right? If you put something in a box and that thing is touching the height, it's touching the depth, it's touching, it means that the bo- it's full. Are you seeing that? That is so knowing the love of Christ that passes knowledge is talking about the soul being full with the love of Christ. Amen. Amen. So that, what he alluded to in that verse is the ministration of John. The, is the first part of John's ministration. John is also a minister of the divine essence. But you can't minister the divine essence. You need to connect. Are you seeing that? You have to, you, you have to connect the fullness of Christ. Praise God. has to connect the, the ministration of the fullness of God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 4, he calls it the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Then he, he qualified it unto a perfect man. Unto a perfect man. That, so that per, a perfect man is a man. Say it. A perfect man, a perfect is, man. A man is a man that has come into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When you, when, you, when you see that measure, measure applies to Christ. You cannot have measure of God. No, God does not, is not, doesn't have measure. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. God does not have what? God does not have measure. Amen. Amen. So in other words, in God, you can't have, you can't measure upward and say this is the height of God. Yes. I measure downstairs, this is the height, the depth of God. But you can measure up and say this is the height of Christ. And then this is the, are you getting what I'm saying? Praise God. Amen. Amen. So you, you see in, 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 uh, in Romans chapter 8, the end of Romans chapter 8, praise God. Paul was, let's read that, Paul was differentiating between those loves. He spoke about two different two loves here. He spoke about the love of Christ. Christ. Then he spoke about the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Pray, amen. amen. In verse thirty-five, he said, "What shall separate us from the love of Christ?" Then verse thirty-nine: "Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature can be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ." Are you seeing that? Um, that word, which is in Christ, is with the love of God, which you, which is it is a Christ. Who can connect the love of God? The, or the love of God is found in Christ. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing why John must minister Christ's love before he ministers God? Because of the love of God is in is in Christ. Praise God. Now, now you see when he spoke about the love of Christ, he spoke about different things. Um, what, not that is it? What will separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution. Famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Are you seeing that? Those are the things that the love of Christ is higher than. So if the love of Christ is higher than these things, it means that then these things cannot separate you from the love of Christ. Amen? Amen. The, if this, are you seeing that? If 
the love of Christ is higher than these things, then these things cannot separate you. But then in verse 39, he began to speak about the love of God. Then in the love of God, he now began to speak about height, depth. Do you know that? So, so when someone comes into the love of God, they, are, they become higher than height. So you must be above height for, height to, for you to be in a place where height cannot separate you from the love of God. You know that height can separate someone from the love of Christ? Yes. Just that measure. If you have just Christ's love. The, when you see someone who has Christ, there is a height that, it, that, that death can come from. That can still bring separation. So, uh, now of course, we're, not, we're talking about this Christ. This Christ that has not inherited full divine essence. That has not become mature in divine essence. But he is just a Christ. But he has fulfilled Christ. But he isn't mature in divine essence. If you bring such a soul and then just bring Lucifer, son of the morning. Go and tempt him. He can fall him. Because Lucifer, son of the morning, is a height, was a height creature. Uh, amen. Are, are, you, are you seeing that? Praise God. So, 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 listen, so, that Christ has dimensions, but God has no dimensions. Praise God. So, so when you come into the love of Christ, it's a massive love, but it's still, it's still a love with dimensions. A soul, for a soul to be saved, to have what you call salvation, you must come into a love that has no bounds. It's boundless. That is what salvation, the teaching of salvation, is to install a love that is a love that you can never throw anything against. You have that love has nothing. There's nothing that can break that love. Can you imagine such a love? A love that nothing can break this love. There's not, you cannot tempt this love. The love keeps the, the love keeps expressing and expressing and expressing. Go and bring everything. You cannot stop the expression of that love. We saw the demonstration of such a love. One person demonstrated it in the beginning. Or that is what John spoke about in chapter 4 of John. He said that this love, the first time we saw a manifestation of this kind of love, it was God who did it. Amen. That's First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. He was, John spoke about his, their, his introduction, their introduction to the manifestation of such a love. Praise God. Let, let's read it, if you, verse chapter 4, verse 9. It says, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world. Are you seeing that? That we might live what? Through him. That hearing his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the what? Propitiation for what? For our sins. And said, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Amen. So this love, the love that God had to send Jesus to us, praise God. The love that God had to give Jesus to us. Is a is a love that is greater than any 
kind of imagination. Amen. It's a love that is greater than anything imaginable. Praise God. It's a love that is greater than what? Anything imaginable. Let me try and give you an example just to explain that love a little. Now, the giving of Jesus, you know, John chapter 3, verse 16, is still for God to love the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, and that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have what? Everlasting life. Amen. Should have everlasting life. That's where the, that's where the, the real, um, <laughs> that's the astonishing thing. Praise God. What you see, the Bible said that, he said that if God freely gave us his son, will he not with him freely give us all things? What does that mean? It means that if God can give his son, there's nothing he cannot give. So understand why is we have to understand what the giving of the son means. The giving of his son is his life, is everything that he had. That whosoever that when he gave this son in such a way that if anybody believes in this son, he will not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. Another thing that, another way to express it is this way. When God gave his son to us, that means that God no longer has sole possession of God eternally changed the nature of the second person in the Trinity. He that was the that was the giving. You see that second person, say logos. logos. The word logos means all. It actually means all the knowledge. It means everything. All the essence, everything about God is that second. Are you getting me? That's second personality. The second personality of God, which is the Logos of God, is where the real, the real God is hidden. The Father is the administrator of the essence. The Holy Spirit is the keeper and is the, is the, is the one who, who carries it, who, distribu- who operates the essence. The Holy Ghost is the one who operates the Logos. He can give it. Amen. He can use it. He, he wants to create. He takes from it to create. He wants to save. He takes from it to save. Anything. He's the one who he uses the, the essence in terms of in an operational way. That's the work of the spirit. The father is the is the head of the essence. He's the one who decides what are we going to use logos to do. Are you get? That's how they, they are. This, so the but the real essence of God is logos. That is the real substance of God. Is that logos? Then when they are thinking, what will we give to man? He said, this one is what we are giving. Amen. 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 Do you understand what I'm saying to you? That's, so that they are, that, that, now what that means is that forever and ever, God will ne- no longer have sole possession to that essence. So if they can give us this thing, Will he not with him freely just give us all things? What else is there that God cannot give? Are you seeing that? Now you see the, the counsel of love that can decide, that can make a being decide to do such a thing is a boundless love. That is why 
that love, men have been sinning against that, that intention. It's a love that is bound to an oath that cannot be broken. Amen. That there's nothing man can ever do that will make God ever change his mind. Are you, are you getting me? There's nothing from the realm of creatures that can change the mind of God to give. Are you seeing that? That is the nature of, just to give an insight into, into God's kind of love. Now, of course, to, to, to love in that way, you must not only be full of joy, you must be a glad being. All right? <laughs> that, is, that is beyond just being full of joy. That is a, is a different kind of thing. God has, God has strange powers. He has powers that men... Something called, think of something called mercy. Mercy. What is mercy? Are you seeing those things called mercy? Then even his gladness. Those are the things in him that strengthens him to love in such a way. Wow. Praise God. Yeah. Amen. That kind of love, man can't even can't think it. Man can't even think of Christ's love. Talk less of God's kind of love. When, by the time you get to Christ's love, you've already passed knowledge. It's, it's passed knowledge. It's a kind of knowledge, but it's knowledge that passes knowledge. Do you understand that? It's a, it's a knowledge, it's a foreign knowledge beyond knowing, as, as far as men call knowing. Because that Ephesians 3, it said, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. So they say you should know something that passes. It means that the unknowing of it must be beyond the, the conventional meaning of knowledge. Amen. So that, and that what I believe that refers to in terms of man's convention of knowledge. The love of Christ is beyond that. The only thing that can, the only kind of knowledge that threatens that love is, must be angelic. It must come from a higher stature than that stature. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And of course, we know the knowledge of God is even higher than the angelic. Amen. And Jesus Christ also. Inherited, inherited that. Are we blessed this morning? Yes, sir. Amen. So that first John, um, in that first John, in chapter 1, you see John said, does anybody have a question? If you have a question. Um, okay, yes, please. Yes. So when someone brings an argument that, okay, since God's love is boundless, like, so that means I can't, even me, myself, I can't do anything against it. That means he's still going to, because that's the argument for someone that believes that, oh, God loves me eternally, forever. Like, regardless of what I do, like, I'm not strong enough, you know. Like, if you are saying my sin is going to prevent God from giving me this eternal security, like, you, like so, that means, but if God's love is boundless, yeah. so it means I shouldn't be able to stop him. From since like what you explained that nothing man can do can actually even stop God from loving. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Amen. 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 So that, that the answer to that is um is that love anything that is given must be received. Right. It's just that is a very that's a fundamental principle that it even plays out even naturally, right? Okay, I have I love you so much. I bought something great. For, I sold all my property and bought something for you. I say take. And you look at it. Say 
What was this one? I don't need it. And you walk away. What you did, does it invalidate my love? No. I loved you. I, it's here. It's, come and take it. So the process with the problem of man is, has never been that it's never been that about there's never been a problem with God's provision yes, or the extent to which God is willing to go yes, to win man, to save man. And that will never change. It's the problem is just this it's man's willingness to receive what God has given. Do you see do you understand that? The the problem is receiving. Every time they mention eternal life, God so he gave that whosoever believe it, you have to believe. Yeah, like eternal salvation. Yeah. Sorry, like from sacred experience. Yes. Yes, like someone that is born again. Okay. So like I'm free like if God's love is boundless, I've accepted him. So why is it that it has to be based on what No, you've not accepted him. Someone who got born again. Someone who gets born again, what they the born again just simply means this. Praise God. Hallelujah. Born again simply means... Um, okay, let me use a very basic example of faith, of living soul. I want a car. Okay? I want to get... But I don't want to use my money to buy a car. I want to believe... I want to use faith to get a car. There are two things involved here. Number one, and this is very practical for people who have, used, who have been in word of faith who have practiced living by faith. These are the two elements to receiving. It's number one, you must believe in supernatural ability to give a man a car. If you don't believe that, there's no way you are never going to get it. So that's where a lot of feeding of word. You must, word, you must hear word, hear word, hear word, hear word, hear word. That does something to your belief system. After a while, you, must, you now believe, okay, it's possible that a man can receive a car from God. That by the Spirit, they can give a man a car. That thing can happen to a person. Praise God. Amen. Now, the fact that the moment you believe that thing, it doesn't automatically make, make, mean that you have a car. Yeah. Right? You must apply that belief. The application of that belief is that, is, is the second part that they call confession. That's a huge component of the word of faith. If you're a word of faith student, your confession is an important part. What confession just means is that this capacity which I had as I had believed in, in the spirit, I'm now going to place a demand on it for my own life, for my own person. That is the, the great component. That's a part of receiving. So believing is belief and you must receive. The confession is a, is a receiving instrument, right? You use it to actually declare, okay, I believe this, I confess this. I come, by that confession, what you are saying is that this power which I believe is available, I am now making a demand on it to, to be operational in my own life. Yeah. Do you understand that? Born again experience, all that happened in born again experience is not different at all from the, not, the faith people use to, to get things and all that. It's the same process. What do you want to get? Being born again, what, what do you want? What is your need? My spirit man to be recreated. Right? Come back to life. Then you must, okay, you have to believe something first. That such a thing is possible. So that's the first part that Romans 10 says. You must believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's the first part. Then after you believe it's possible, you must now place a demand on it 
for, for your own self. That is the confessing him as my Lord. Are you saying? So it says if you confess in your mouth the Lordship of Jesus and believe in your heart he was raised. Are you getting it? So I'm not just believing Jesus was raised. Now I want it to also happen in my own life. Are you seeing that? Then when that happens, all you've received is the recreation of your spirit man. Do you see that? That's all you have received. A recreated spirit does not have eternal life. Amen. Amen. Check the Bible, check, check everywhere. You'll never see anywhere that makes reference to somebody that just because you are born again, you already have eternal life. But if you are born again, you can have. Check it. You can have. You can have eternal life. The Bible never says anywhere about every, generally all Christians. Because you have... But what they say, for example, is that you are Christ. You are risen with Christ. You are seated with Christ. Is it Christ? Christ. They will never say you are risen. You are now seated with God. <laughs> we don't see that. Are you getting me? It is Christ. 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 Paul is very careful in, in explaining that thing. Amen. Are you seeing that? So that is Christ. It's a stature. And it's even in your spirit. It's not in your soul. <laughs> right? But the goal for the soul is for God to give the soul everything. And that has already been given. Been given. You now see that when you move from the spirit to the soul, the same process, right, of now you must exercise the faith, the believing. Do you see? The believing and then the operation of the what? Of the receiving, the believing and the receiving that you did for the spirit to be born again, you have to now do another believing and receiving for the soul. Does that make sense? But it's just now the process of believing and receiving for soul is so soul was made differently that it's a very more complex process. They have to write a whole Bible. Are you getting me? To teach the person. How do you get a soul to believe to become a Christ? How do you get a soul to believe to be recreated and become new? You get that? Are you seeing that? And how do you get a soul to receive it? That's what the New Testament is teaching. You see that? So you see that believing and receiving process, it must also be involved. Now, if a person now says, I'm born again, I don't want to follow now the believing and receiving process for my soul. There's nothing God can do. God has given everything already. He has given it. He has given all the resources. He has made everything available. Are you seeing that? So that is that receiving part. That's where there's actually a, a deficit. That's where we fall short. Is in how to receive what what God. As given, so, so like all you are saying is somebody who is born again and just begins to confess, yes. and it's, what they have is ignorance. Mm-hmm. They they are conflating things. They are conflating what you received in your spirit, and most times what they confess is not even what they received. 
they confess I have eternal life, but they don't even really have that eternal life. Amen. They don't have eternal life. Eternal life means that you can never die again. Right? Yes, that's the meaning of eternal life. Eternal. It's a life that is eternal. Eternal life, it doesn't mean you are now eternal. That's just that word, eternal life. Check the attack, the life, the the eternal property is with the life. It's that this life is an eternal life. You get that? That what it means is that this life itself does not die. If you have it, that life (laughs) that you have, it can it doesn't die. So if someone lives and they die, they can die again. It means the life they had was not eternal. Yeah. Right? Do you know that Christ is not eternal life? It's God. But it's the eternal life, really. Christ is how you get eternal life. So, a Christ can die. If somebody gets born again now, their spirit is Christ. And then after a while, they journey and they get tired of God. Then they begin to walk against God. And they begin to, they begin to um, uh, relate with things that kill. After a while, that spirit that got born again will die again. Yes. Praise the Lord. Do you know that the life that a soul live, like getting born again, is it's a soul sorry, this life of the spirit man is the soul is the soul function that made the spirit live. The spirit's life is also always hinged in on the soul. You can never divorce the spirit's life from what the soul is doing. All right. It's the soul that got the spirit born again. It's not this, the spirit man was dead. He didn't even, he's the child of the devil. The spirit, your spirit man and Satan, they are three, like this. They are planning. The spirit man and, of an unbeliever is planning against the soul. How to, it's the spirit man that's killing the soul because he's joined to Satan. He has free access. Satan has free access to that soul. Just every, every day is chipping at it. Just killing, killing, killing. Nothing you can do because the spirit man belongs to him. Yeah. So that spirit man cannot say, I want to get born again. He's dead. He's not that man. It's the soul that, who still has the residue of life. After that residue of life can believe. And when that happens, it then based on what the soul, it's always what the soul does that God reacts to. It's based on that that the spirit got born again. Do you see that? Now, if that soul now begins to misbehave and now goes back, and you know, a soul can get born again, the spirit is alive, but the soul still continues dying. Yes. Are you getting me? It's more difficult to die like that, but it's, the soul can still do it. It, it. it will go out of its way to find a way to cooperate with death. 
there are souls who can do that. And if a soul does that, after a while, the soul, that faculty within the soul that was able to believe the resurrection of Jesus and accept it as Lord, death can get there and kill it. Once that thing dies, the spirit dies as well. And the Bible and, and once that happens, you know what the Bible said that there is no longer it's, it's no longer possible. You've already killed that faculty of of to believe that thing. And praise God. I, I, do you see that? That's that's what they call second death. You died again. <laughs> you died again. Praise God. So second death is is dangerous. Amen. Blessing. Are you, are you here? No? You, you left us? <laughs> Why did you leave us? Did you, did you understand anything I said at all? Kind of. You are making notes. Which part don't you understand? I want you to understand this thing. Okay, I'm closing my Bible. Maybe we'll continue the message next week. But I, I, all I want to do now is make you understand this thing I just explained. Come on, sit down. Don't worry. Just, are, are you busy? Are you doing something else? Oh, yeah, you can sit. Oh, are you comfortable there? Okay, what, what part do you understand too? <coughs> Sorry? No, it's okay. No, no problem. It's okay. Just come, come. Which part do, do you understand too? No, from what this, this conversation, her question now. No. No, just tell me. Just tell me. Do, but do you understand her question? Okay. Can you ask your question again? Okay, so the question is that yeah. Okay. Do you know the do you know the difference between a man's a person's spirit and their soul? Okay, what, what do you understand? T- just tell me the difference. So I know from the last two Okay. Okay. Um, and uh, redemption and like the redemptive power is basically for your soul. Yes. So for me, I'm guessing when it comes to your spirit, yeah, it technically belongs to God. Okay. It's a 
so in a way kind of from my little understanding I feel like when it comes to the soul it's it's mostly what what mm. man what man does affects the soul. Okay. So yes. Let's say if you're you're deeply in the world. Yeah. In the world. Yes. So whatever you feed your eyes or your senses, yeah. what basically marrow makes your sugar. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> you're correct, you're correct. Your, but your real, the real you is your spirit. Can I use my spirit? Yes, you are a spirit, you. Yeah. <laughs> so that you know, man has is, is a man is a spirit that has a soul. So the soul is actually the possession of a spirit man. Hmm. The way your body is also a possession of a spirit man. Mm-hmm. Your but you, you blessing, you are actually a spirit. You are a spirit. The now you are a spirit, um, but that your who you are is is difficult to to see and to be aware of consciously, right? Because your consciousness is in your soul. Do you see that? So, it's hard for it's hard for the soul to just now consciously see the spirit and say the way your your soul can see your body. This is my right, my left hand, my thumb. This is my finger. My fingers. This is my wrist. This is my elbow. This is my knee. Are you seeing that? The, the because the the ability to see a thing, to be able to discern and see a thing, is in order of, um, amen. Mm. So, the way God created things in existence, the more spiritual, the more invisible. Mm. And the, the more invisible, the higher it is. Mm. You, you get that? Mm-hmm. So, this, your soul, your body is lower than your soul. The soul has the body. And he uses it so he can see it. Do you get that? Your, your soul mainly is made up of your mind. And the way the Bible speaks about it is your mind and your heart. Your mind and your heart. Are you getting me? You see that your mind, and you had mainly your mind. Your mind can see anything outward. Your mind can see your body because your body is in the outward dimension, your, and your and your body is lower than it. So your mind can see the door, it can see the floor, it can see the ceiling, it can see everything because all these things are in the physical dimension that are lower. Now, then the mind can also see things that are also also invisible but are not outward or physical. 
For example, your mind can see a thought. Do you believe that? Do you believe that your mind can see a thought? If any thought, a thought, a thought. If I if I tell you, describe to me how to give an injection to a person. Can you do that? Right now you can do that. Okay. If I if I tell you go, start describing. Okay. What you begin to say, tell me where is it coming from? So you are seeing it. Are you seeing it? When you are talking to me, what are you seeing? You are seeing the process. Now, what you are seeing, is he a physical being or a physical person? Mm. Is not. Mm. Or you are seeing something somewhere. Yeah. What you are seeing is thought, are thoughts. Mm. Is imagination. It's mm. called imagination. So, you see, imaginations, thoughts are... <laughs> Hello, how are you? Come in, come in. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise God. Are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? So, you now discover that in, this, in that soul dimension, there's a, there's a world that's not physical, yeah. but the soul can see it. It doesn't have issues. It can see it clearly. Mm. It can see things. It can, you can, most of the time, when you are planning your tomorrow, because you are seeing it beforehand, <laughs> things you are planning to do, yeah. before it manifests physically, yeah. you already plan yeah. things. Yeah. They are already yeah. set up. In, tomorrow has already happened for some people. From morning to nine, they finished it. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. As long as, as far as the part depends on them, yeah. they'll finish the day yeah. before it now manifests in the physical. Are you seeing that? Yeah. So that is in the realm of the soul. That is the world of the soul, the world of imagination. Are you, are you getting that? Yeah. And then, so that's the upper part of the soul or the outer part of the soul is where the mind is called the mind. Say mind. 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 The mind is not part of your body. Your brain is part of your body. Yes. Your nervous system is part of your body. But its body is physical. Mm -hmm. The brain is what the mind uses. The, the part of the body that the, your mind... Your mind is part of your soul. You get that? What it uses... Mind say, okay, let's think now. Right? <laughs> Praise God. And then it begins to... It begins to think. Mind thought uses the body. Then there are deeper thoughts than mind thought. There are heart thoughts mm. as well. The heart thought doesn't need body to operate. Uh, amen. amen. <laughs> Praise God. Are, are you? You can sit down here. No problem. No problem. You're welcome. Okay, you're hearing me. Are you interested in what I'm describing? What I'm explaining? Yeah. Okay. Praise God. Hallelujah. You're welcome, my sister. How how are you? Thank you. <laughs> yes. So the, 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 the mind uses the body, right? And I said the mind is, uh, is the upper part of the... So picture it. The soul is here, in between, okay? Then the spirit is here. The body is here. The mind is in between both. Oh, sorry, the soul is in between both. It means the soul has ability to touch the body, relate with the body, and it can relate with the, with the, with the spirit, which is really, really you. You are really a spirit. Everybody is a, is a spirit. Every human being is a spirit. Not all living things are spirit. Animals are not spirits. Dogs, cat, fowl, all of those things. Amen. 
but they are half soul. Do you see that? Yeah. They have soul, but they have no what? No they have no spirit. Their soul is just mind. Because they only have soul and body. Every animal, mm-hmm. right? So the mind is just that soul. They are, their mind is that inward part of them, which is invisible too. Praise God. Which, is, which they used to control their body do you see that those two animals that's animals but human beings are not like animals we are actually spirits we are actually spirits we have soul every spirit has a soul yeah does that make sense every spirit has what a soul god will not create a spirit without a soul because the soul is what the spirit uses for its expression is what it, it uses to express its life, to live out its, its essence, what, what it is. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Okay, so the soul has mind, the soul has a heart. The heart is the, see that deep spiritual part of you that you cannot, is not, uh, is not, uh, um, you, it's it's called your it's called your subconscious does that make sense they call it subconscious in a way what they mean is that it's not your full consciousness your full consciousness is in your mind you know what it has your awareness you are aware of things you're doing okay i will do this i will do that you calculate it you plot it you get that that's your mind subconscious then there's, there's, there's also your subconscious mind. Don't conflate science. Now you're a scientist. Don't conflate science with what I'm teaching you. Okay? <laughs> this is not psychology or all that. Those guys don't know anything. Pray, pray, amen. When I, when I say they don't know anything, what I mean is that they don't know spiritual things. What they know is be, studying behavior of men, how people, human beings behave, and all that. And all they know is, is death. How the dead man behaves. They are master. They have PhD and all that in that. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the the true knowing of revelation of who man is was not did not open up in the Bible until the New Testament. That's why you it's hard to see clearly. Love what I'm telling you. It takes some journey. God through help of through the scriptures, New Testament scriptures. Praise God with a lot of illumination of the Spirit to see it. That, right, that aspect of the spirit man, that part of it, the Lord made it put a veil in that area. The Holy Spirit in the scripture put a veil in that area, a lot of veil there. Because as much as possible, heaven wants to prevent unbelievers, dead men, relating with their spirit. Do you get that? So... Outside New Testament, God doesn't even want any man to have any business with it. If possible, let's limit our <laughs> any, any dealings you can have. Because that spirit man is dead. He's a child of the He's a devil. Every Christian who is not born again is a devil's child walking around. He's a sworn enemy of God. If you, if you say, okay, let's shut down this soul. Let's talk to that spirit man. What does he want to do? He wants to do all the Satan's bidding. 
and overthrow God and everything. You get that's the nature of that's who all we all were before we got born again. We not we have natural enmity from our spirit, just flowing, burning against God. You know what I mean? That's every unbeliever. Every unbeliever has it, but in their soul, they are not like that fully. So in their soul. They still have some measure of righteousness because soul dies slowly. He's a slow learner, so even you can say I don't believe. I say, ah, God, even though I'm not just, I don't, I'm not ready to serve God, but God is okay. I don't have anything against Christians mostly. No, but me, I'm not just ready to believe in that. You know what I mean? See, it's okay. People can believe in God, but that's just not my thing. But so that is he is just speaking from his consciousness, what he feels, but. His spirit man has deep hatred against God. Because it is married to the devil. It's the devil's nature. Do you see that? <laughs> so, so that's why, in, in, you see, in the Old Testament, through Scripture, the Holy Spirit, there's no need for Holy Ghost to start, on, to start bringing about what they call about the dividing asunder. It will take New Testament. It's called the Word of God, which is appointed to people whose spirit have been raised. When the spirit now becomes raised, I say, okay, it's now time for us to introduce you to what the spirit is. So one of the functions of the word of God, it says it's quick and powerful, it's sharper than every two-edged sword, dividing to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. So one thing that the New Testament, true New Testament insight does is that you now begin to see the demarcation between the soul and the spirit, what the spirit is. How it relates to the soul. Are you seeing that? That's one of the functions of because and that revelation is important in order to bring about the salvation of a man. Does that make sense? Yes. So you are really a spirit, and you are born again. Your spirit now is Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. That, that, what really happened to you when you got born again is that, is that, you know that invisible man, that spirit who was, which is the real you. The you before you got born again doesn't exist anymore. You are not, doesn't exist. That, that, you know the blessing before you got born again, that blessing it doesn't exist anymore. That blessing doesn't exist. That blessing is gone. Forever. It's gone. God took it, right, and then recreated it, made it new. And it, when it was recreated, it became a Christ. Bless him spiritually, it's Christ. You are Christ in your spirit. It's just that you might, you might not feel like it, you might not, but you, you need to understand, right? <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same thing. Like when you are an unbeliever, you didn't really know you were an enemy of God. <laughs> you didn't know you act you were a good person and everything. You didn't know that inside your spirit man you're actually a devil. Like you're actually devils. <laughs> you, you get that's is the same way too. So so now that spirit that spirit is Christ, but the part of you that that can feel who that spirit is. It's not the mind. It's not the conscious mind. Because the conscious mind, and even the subconscious mind, is, more, is closer to the body. Mm-hmm. So what it feeds on is what comes from the body, the five senses. What you see, 
You know, the food of your mind is what you are seeing, what you are hearing, what you touch, what you, you, you taste. See those five senses, remove them. There is no, there's hardly input from the outward. You can't get any input from the outward realm. From your smell, that's the fifth one, right? If we shut that thing down, it's hard for you to touch this world and to relate with the, the physical world. You understand what I mean? But when you turn those things on, your mind just goes active and crazy. You are, all the thoughts you are thinking is what you've heard, what you've smelled, what you've, all those things. Are you getting that? So that's your, your mind. It's closer to the body. But the soul has a deeper part, which is even more important, which in the sight of God is even the, the, the strongest. In other words, that one is, you know, the, the, the battle between light and, light and darkness is to win over a man. Right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the real person that they are really fighting to win is that heart. Mm-hmm. You know, the mind is active and all. The mind feels like it's everything. Yeah. In fact, the mind can even grow so big that it feels it's God. <laughs> because that's just the nature of the mind. You know, some mm-hmm. gra-gra guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. where are they? Let them come. I'm dealing with everybody here today with muscle and everything. Amen. Yeah. You know what I mean? But sometimes it's not muscle that some guys, is, you don't need to, without muscle, they can deal with you. <laughs> so the mind is just like it's loud and everything yeah. because of all the impulses. It's very close to your body. You get that? But there's something deeper. That one is deeper. It has the one really controlling the mind, but the mind doesn't know. The mind thinks it's the one in control. But that one that's deeper, called the heart, when you really check, plot out the man's life, you now check really what the man has really, really been doing is what is inside his heart. But the heart doesn't make noise. The heart is just there, but it's controlling. Wow. The, man, the man we plan today, in fact, um, I'm now changing my whole life around. Um, I'm taking a new direction. <laughs> then you buy, he will go to Walmart, buy a new, a new journal. The journal, the journal will say Life Journal. Then under it, write new beginnings. <laughs> then you begin to write from today. This is what I will begin to do. This I will begin to plan. These are my resolution and all that. No problem. Your mind, your heart is there. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. But after the mind has planned and planned and thought and everything, come and check that person. One month after, this person has not really changed. Who he was, really. Wow. Is who he was. That silent guy. Is that out of the heart flow the issues of life? Are you, are you getting me? So who a man is in the depth of his heart is really who he is. So, in other words, the, the man would have done everything in his life before he catches himself. Hey, wait, wait, wait. No, we actually wrote a resolution that this is what we should do. Are you getting me? That's why he has forgotten. He's leaving his heart. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? So that's why, that's why Christianity, its main approach is not towards your mind. That's, it's not mainly towards your mind. Do you get that? It's really hard. That's who God is fighting for. That's, that's who they want to culture. Do you see them? So that's why. And, and the, the thing with the heart is that because the heart is closer to the spirit man, the person who owns the spirit has a better advantage 
on many grounds to reach the heart of a person. That's why it's almost this difficult. It's actually impossible for God to really change the heart of a man without first getting his spirit saved. Do you see that? Anybody whose spirit is not saved, all they will be doing, when you see, ah, he's a good man, it's just a natural goodness in their heart. Because nobody's heart has been completely bad yet. There's still some life. There's still some good things in there. You get that. But Satan is removing those things one by one. Are you getting me? So, are you seeing what I'm saying now? Do you see the difference between the heart, that deeper part of you? The heart is the spiritual part of the soul. Like, like if, you're not, if you don't really know too much, you actually think your heart is your spirit. Some people, when they say their heart, they think it's their spirit man, but it's not. It's just the spiritual part of the soul. And that's where the, what you call conscience is. The, con- the conscience is the speaking board. The conscience is the prophet of the heart. The, the conscience, when the heart has decided we are not doing this, so this is contrary to our law. The conscience, you are telling the conscience will start speaking to you. Right? Maybe when someone offends you, you say, ah, I'm going to deal, I'm going to do this bad thing. You plan everything you want to do. Then when it's time to do it, one tiny, it's not strong, it doesn't even come with force. It's just be telling you, no. This thing is not really good. Though. Even I know, the, I know you're, you're offended, but ah, you're not this kind of person. How can you do this kind of thing? Who is talking? It's a tiny thing. It is the goodness in the heart that's using the conscience to talk to you. Are you seeing that? Now, do you see that small voice there? It's not your mind. It's not your mind. Your mind has decided to do something, but there's still something inside that is talking to you. Are you seeing that? Uh-huh. So you see that in the heart, that conscience, what, how the conscience decides when, when it's, you know, there are sometimes you want to do something bad now, the conscience will still support you and you won't talk. Yeah. Most times it's when it comes to an area of badness that you become a guru at doing. You've been doing it for so long, you've murdered the voice of your conscience in that area. So it becomes just normal to you. Like if someone else just starts lying now, First time you lie, ah, you told a lie, you feel okay. Then after a while you lie, 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 you become a breezer. You just be, you just be breezing when there's no need to even lie. You just lie. Why? Because the conscience, <laughs> amen, that aspect of the conscience that tells you lying is not good, you've killed it. Do you see? So the conscience can be gradually killed, or the heart can be gradually killed, and also it can be gradually made alive. So the reason why you got born again, and we're talking about for your spirit to be saved, then you started coming to church and hearing revelation, is so that that book that they open, that the heart opens, to instruct the conscience what is right, when should we speak, what is wrong, is that the purpose of New Testament is to take that book, write out, the, remove all the wrong laws that are written there, and write the judgments of God upon that place are you seeing that so the more revelation let's open to um hebrews chapter 8 praise the lord 
So that's the Amen. Hebrews chapter 8, okay, let's read verse 10. It says that, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind. That's one level. And write them in their, in their hearts. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be my people. Do you see that? And they shall not teach everyone his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. Do you see that? So this is just speaking about the summary of the purpose of the new, what you call the New Testament or the New Covenant. Okay? The New Testament or the New Covenant has to do with the writing of God's what? Laws. Where? In the soul. Two, two dimension of the soul. I will put it in their mind. Then, after a while, it will become written in their hearts. Do you see that? So, when God is dealing with the soul, someone who is born again, like we are sitting down now, we are in a meeting. Something is happening in this meeting. There is the spirit man which belongs to God, right, is there. And then the mind now is present. And from the, both the mind and both the spirit, they are doing a cooperation to rewrite the content of the heart. That's the ministry of the New Testament. The ministry of the New Testament is making covenant with men. Covenant just simply means agreement between two people. Praise, praise God. And that word for covenant is the, the resting of a will. Right? When you say to we have a covenant, it means that we, we have a will and then we allow this will to rest. That we now agree and decide this is what we are going to do. You see that? So the word writing is actually, if I can take a paper now and I take a pen and write something on the paper. I have just written, that thing is a covenant. Praise God. The way God made covenant with stone. God now in the New Testament wants to make covenant with heart. And the covenant means a heart agreeing to the will and the righteousness of God. So in order for that to happen, the, the spirit... The, the mind is involved. Praise God. Amen. Amen will soon be done. The mind is involved in the sense that I'm speaking right now. What's happening? I'm directly addressing your mind. Okay? You are hearing me from your ears, which one of your senses. You are seeing my weird gesticulations and all the things I'm saying. It's just almost to act like a drama for you. To give you... To, I want to bombard your senses using with this spiritual revelation. Your eye is also seeing mm-hmm. as I'm characterizing things. means I am feeding your senses. Mm-hmm. And that's, those senses directly is going into your mind. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is in your mind now. Mm-hmm. And I'm using the scripture. The purpose of the scripture is for the renewing of the mind. Mm-hmm. And that will create new pathways of understanding. Mm-hmm. New thought processes. Mm-hmm. Inside, are you getting what I'm saying? As you are thinking the scriptures... 
we are, I'm, I'm saying the scriptures to you. Praise God. I'm addressing your mind. Amen. Amen. And I'm, I'm now bringing understanding. So wisdom and understanding gives access to the mind. You get? Now, anything that wisdom and understanding makes the mind able to hold something. So if I just come and say some things now, and, I, and it doesn't involve the impartation of wisdom and understanding, after a while you just forget what I said. It won't yes. stay. So I have to labor in the scriptures as I'm talking to you to bring, and by the Spirit of God, He's inspiring my words. You know what I'm saying? And then to impart understanding of what I'm saying. But that's not the only thing. That alone cannot do the job. <laughs> if that's all I, that's ha- that is present, it will stay in your mind. After a while, it will go away. That's the difference between a, a symposium where they just I'll bring PowerPoint and say, okay, this is, the, this is that and that. There's nothing spiritual ongoing. I will talk and talk to you. Change will be happening. Because this, the heart is a spiritual creature. It's in the soul, but it's spiritual in nature. It responds to spirit. Right? So anything, a thought can be in your mind. If that thought doesn't turn to spirit, the heart cannot take it. Are you seeing that? When you read First Corinthians chapter 2, you will now see they now began to describe the nature of the New Testament. How the, why it's different from the law. Is that exactly the ministration of the spirit. That it is written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God. They are writing it upon heart. Are you seeing that? So only spirit writes on heart. So if I just come now, and there's nothing spiritual on me, I just went to read the Bible, and I said, let me just be preaching to you based on that. Maybe the Lord, God did not send me, and I'm not anointed. Mm-hmm. Praise God. I will just be talking and talking and talking. Mm-hmm. After a while, you get tired of me talking. Mm-hmm. And you go and live your life and do whatever. Because whatever I'm saying will just be here in your head. It won't bring about the change of the heart. But in order to bring about change of heart, there has to be ministration of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. The ministration of the Spirit, it takes thought from the mind, turns it into spirit. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when ministry teaching is sometimes self teaching can be going on you didn't even fully understand but something is happening here yes. it's almost like like those guys just was talking with those guys on the way to emu did not our heart born within us so praise god is so revelational preaching is impartation of understanding for the mind but with also the weight of the spirit that can convert the word into spirit because it's the spirit that is written upon the heart do you get that mm-hmm. So the, the, now the way writing upon the heart happens is this. It, it, instruction is coming, praise God, from, based on understanding, based on the words I'm saying. It's coming to you. Your mind is receiving them. Now as your mind is receiving them, if they are anointed words, what I'm saying will bear witness with your spirit. If if anyone preaches to you and they, it doesn't, that word is not able to bear witness with your spirit, it can never be written on the heart. Do you, do you That's why you can't write New Testament on an unbeliever's heart. You can talk to their mind. Uh, the same way they can read a book and say, ah, I just decided I will behave this way now. But that is just an outward changing of behavior. It's not the changing of the heart. And that can go to a certain direction. The same way someone can go to school. And after a while, five years, he starts behaving like an engineer. When you even see him, how this is an engineer, I know how they talk, I know how they think. And it's just culturing of the mind. It's not the heart. Do you understand that? Praise God. But an unbeliever, there's a writing in his heart going on. 
the person who owns his spirit is constantly writing <laughs> because he has access to the heart. And do you understand that? So, and that's what the world, the world is a writer. When you give birth to a child, you don't need to tell the child, from now on to teach you how to be a worldly person. As your parent, these are how worldly people behave. They lie, they disobey, they fight, they backbite, they keep malice, they are covetous, they are proud. So as your parent, I'm going to teach you these things because this is how it's my duty to impart the world to you as a messenger of Satan to you. Many of you have ever heard a parent telling a child like that? I'm a believer. It just happen. But somehow, just somehow, just somehow, the child is learning all those things. Who is teaching the child? That child, from the moment the child's spirit dies, no, no child is born dead spiritually. But from when they get to the age of accountability, what happens? They begin to act against what their conscience is telling them. And the same way Adam and Eve died that way, they die also. You, it, they, the God has to now wait later on in their life to preach to them so that they can become born again. Are you seeing that? Do you get that? So, but once they die, Satan is just waiting for that day. <laughs> this child is, we have another candidate. <laughs> but how many of you believe that? All of those of you who are young, you're about to have kids, just know once you give birth to a child, there's a countdown timer. The devil is just waiting for that spirit, child's spirit to die. The once that happens, he becomes the father of that child. <laughs> you, now, you now begin to see the child begins to manifest all kinds of things that the parents did not teach them. Just take a child now, just naturally. A child who maybe, maybe the spirit has just died. Means they've gotten to accountability age. Bring them into an environment. Just naturally. Take, list out all the bad things there. They will pick almost plenty of bad. They will pick some good, but not too much. Mm-hmm. Just a few. Are you get what I'm saying? <laughs> a few good things. But they will become masters at picking. Why? Because of their spirit. There's an there's a access that the spirit has to the soul, the heart of the child, to teach the child. So, and that's what, the purpose of that, that's what this whole world, who is teaching that child is the world. Just the system, how men behave. Every, all he's seeing is instruction. Because in this world, unsubconsciously, even the parents, they are teaching, be good, be nice, be calm, be this, be a lovely person. But the life they are acting out is different. Because they are acting from their heart. And the child is reading what he's seeing. The child is reading father, he's reading his mother, he's reading his uncle, he's reading his aunties, he's reading TV, he's watching, reading everything. <laughs> Amen. And as he's reading, the, his, his father and his spirit is talking to him. Say, so this is, yes, master this now. Learn that now. Huh? A child, after a while, the child can become skilled at lying. He has skill. He can lie with, he has various, various manifestations of lying operation. <laughs> <laughs> Some children is deceit they learn. They know what you are thinking. They know how to keep their face. There's a sad who taught that face how to how to avoid correction. Those are natures. Are you get what I'm saying? Amen. So it's spirits in the world who teach souls. And not just kids. Every day a person 
Someone can be born again too, and even the world is still teaching. <laughs> Praise God. Do you, do you get that? Amen. So, so, after we get born again now, thank God we are, our spirits are saved now. Praise God. So, because the spirit is saved, if we, you now bring the soul under an atmosphere of spiritual revelation, right, where there is enough presence of the spirit and enough, and enough wisdom of the scriptures present, what will begin to happen? You, you see, through messages, through preaching, through books, through uh, um, different avenues of ministration, you see there will be an anointed um, operation within the heart where some things that the heart used to be okay with before, maybe the conscience was dead in one area. You are, you are, you are maybe um, it's easy for you to just maybe, I don't know, misrepresent something. Mm. And so you, maybe you exaggerate something, right? Mm. But after a while, by, as revelation is landing, mm. it's landing. Sometimes the day your heart locks into the resolve. Exaggeration is wrong. Exaggeration mm. is wrong. It's actually lying. We won't do it again. It might not be the day that they preach a sermon. The title of my message today is Thou shall not misrepresent the truth. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thou shall not exaggerate. Exaggeration is lying. Part one. <laughs> Praise God. That, that is not that, like that. Are you saying what I'm saying? But in, to, during the atmosphere, in the atmosphere of revelation, there's a way the Spirit is. A, there's a way the Holy Ghost ministers. He knows every soul. The minister doesn't know to have that depth of knowledge of the nuances of darkness that has happened in heart. But the Holy Spirit knows that. So, so, but the Holy, so the Holy Spirit can use different uh, messages. He's, he's doing something. One day, the day that that entrance into the heart of a right deletion of that nature Amen. of representing things will happen. Maybe just one morning just brushing your teeth in front of the mirror. As you are brushing your teeth, something happens. Something trickles down into the heart. It's something, something just happens on the inside. The heart locks into a resolve. No, we can't continue. This thing is wrong. That is, is called is the writing of the spirit upon the heart. The thing that is so deep, how it happens, nobody can let you can't interfere. No minister can can answer. No minister is there when they have with that is raw spirit. Are, are you getting me? So so all but all the believer needs to do is surround yourself in the atmosphere where of the uh, you, you get that. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 4 called it there's the deletion of the vanity, vanity of the mind. Do not walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. They now began to speak about them later. And then they, that they have the blindness of their heart and they are, they, are, they are alienated from the life of God because of the blindness of their heart and through the ignorance that is in them. It's the ignorance of the heart. But after a while, scripture healed blindness of the mind, vanity of the mind. When the mind becomes full of scripture, the mind, when we load a, a bin with scripture, just load, keep loading, let them go, believe in their life. In the invisible you know, invisibly, all those presence of scripture. That's why the Bible says that let your let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. See that word dwelling is 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 mind first. As you are carrying scriptures around, living your life, there's a Holy Spirit is at work on the inside. The same way growth happens to a child. 
Ask my when my daughter become this height that she is now. I don't know. Mm. All I know is that one time she was one tiny something. Mm. I remember the day she was born, but now she's like this. Which day did they add the that the last mm-hmm. one centimeter? Mm-hmm. I can't tell you. It's not my business. No man knows when it happens, no. but it's going on. It's an invisible operation. Wow. That's how soul changes. Yeah. You, know, you, you can't calculate today. You know, we like that feeling. We like yeah. being in control of things. Yeah. I, today I went to that meeting, yeah. and since that, that was the day that. Uh, no, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> All you just realize is that. Check who was I one year ago? Who was I two years ago? Now. <laughs> Something has happened to me. <laughs> things have changed. Do you know what I'm saying? It's the same way seed grows. The Bible says you sow it into the ground and all that. Mm. One day you see it sprouting yeah. up. You know it, not how it happens. It's under the ground. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So that thing called, there's a way God made heart. It's a very complex creature. It takes, to be able to kill that heart, it took a, a cherubim of glory who has been in the presence of God for a long time. That he had the wisdom of killing the heart of men. Are you seeing that? So, but, and the wisdom to raise the heart up is beyond the nat- man's natural mind. It's the wisdom of the spirit that does that. Praise God. Amen. 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 Do you understand? Do you understand some of what I said? You do? You don't understand? Okay, okay. The part we're talking about then, about someone who's born again not having eternal life yet, but having what you call the life of Christ. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that when you receive him, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed should not perish. Perishing means completely destroyed. That's the case where all the good thing in a conscience has been completely gone. I know that can happen to a person. Yeah. That can happen. And it takes a lot of time. Even most, in one lifetime, it's not enough to do that. One lifetime is not enough. Two lifetimes, ten lifetimes. And it, it, yes, yes, it takes a long time. You see those, those things inside the conscience... That makes it, even an unbeliever, what makes an unbeliever still good? They can still do good things. They are things because of how God made the soul. The, the God made the soul, He added capacity and strength within the soul to fight to keep its life. Are you getting me? God made it that way. That God just did something about the soul that when you, when you jam a soul, the, the soul is the most difficult thing to change. Is the most difficult thing because of how how resolved and garrisoned a soul's life is. And God made that for a purpose, right? Of course, it's very clear. He made it so that when Satan comes and tempts man, man will not die completely on that day. And even after Adam disobeyed God, he ate and everything. Then, after that, his heart was still intact. Right, he could still raise up his son Abel in the fear of God, still impart righteousness to him. Do you see that? He wasn't completely gone because there was still a lot of things inside his conscience that was continuously speaking. Right, Seth came, Enos came, they were teaching their children. Right, all the things that the good things unbelievers teach their kids, where did they get them from? Is what they learned from their own parents. And learn is the good in the world. Yeah. The good, all the good things in the world, Satan did not create it. Mm-hmm. 
they are the things he is trying to kill. But he has been trying since almost 6,000 years. Since man was created, he hasn't finished been able to eradicate all the good. And where, are the, where is the good stored? It's stored, in, stored inside men's consciences. This man knows that I can't just go and kill somebody. I can't, apart from, forget about the laws of the land. That's part of it. Because men out of their conscience wrote laws to help nations. But it's not really those laws that are keeping everybody in check. Because what makes my neighbor now not, not come in the night with a gun and take everything? It's not, it's not only, you might think it's because of the fear of, it's not that, it's not just that. Because if it's that, the laws of nations are not, are not good enough. You got it? Because there are many ways people can do very bad things and still get away with it yeah. if it's just the law. Yeah. What's stopping men from being very wicked? It's not that law. It's what is inside them. Yeah. Their heart will not allow them because they have not. But if you check, men today can do more evil freely than men 200 years ago, yeah. 300 years ago. Yeah. Right? Because of gradually the conscience has been seared and killed. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So when I, when I, let's say there's a righteousness I came into when I was a young child, that as I'm growing up, I'm getting a sense of right, of right, of wrong, yeah. and right, what is right to do, what's okay to do, and all that. Now, let's, if, let's assume I, I didn't get born again. I will, I will know those things, but over the course of my life, some of those things, I will murder them yeah. to a point. You get what I'm saying? I will kill my conscience to a point. Right? It's hard to find a person who never got born again, okay? But when they are at the time of the end of their life, they became better than how they were before. It's very, very hard. By the time you've lived in this world for a while, things would have happened to you. That innocence, all those things would have gone. Are you getting me? And so you will always pass down to the next generation less righteousness than what you receive. And the goal of the devil is to continue. He is very patient with that job. Thousands of years. Just killing. The Bible called him he who weakened the nations. His, his job is to weaken men. Kill men. And kill men to a point where a man can arise who has no sense of right anymore. That man is who they call the Antichrist. The beast. Are you getting <laughs> yeah, Whose conscience has been completely murdered. Yes. So in the end times, you begin to see men begin to look like that more. Do you, are, are you seeing that? Uh-huh. Um, so eternal life, eternal life just means a life that God has raised and that has been raised and developed by the New Testament to a point where it has so much wisdom against death and sin. The way God has. Mm. Mm. There's no way God will come, Satan will come to God and say, God, now there's one evil thing. There's no way you can seduce God to be evil. Mm. What makes that impossible? Because the way life sits in God is with an eternal power. The power is wisdom against sinning. There's nothing you can do to make God sin. Are you getting that? And Jesus was a man. He was a baby. The way men grew. But he was also growing, but the Spirit of God was instructing him at any point on how to avoid dying. Mm-hmm. He was being tempted, but he was without sin. 
Are you getting that? So he came in and grew into righteousness of God and grew to a point where he also inherited God's righteousness. And in Hebrews chapter 1, he told him, you love righteousness, you hated wickedness. He told him, come and sit at my right hand, right, until I make your enemies your footstool. Praise God. So Jesus was a man who inherited all the righteousness of God till he became above death, above sin, above all corruption. That Jesus is our hope, is who we are preaching in Christianity. Christianity is very simple. It's just, how can a man, how can a man's heart be re, rewritten with the, with the laws of God to a point where sin no longer has a valid argument that can be a threat? You know, you know what I mean? You move beyond temptation. You move beyond sinning. And, and ultimately, you move beyond dying spiritually. Praise God. Um, amen. Time has gone. So, I did I explain? Did I explain a little? You, okay. No, but, but I said I said answering your own because I asked you and you said no, you weren't following. So I want to follow. I want to see if if you understood what I said. Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I think we are we are okay for today. Is there any other question? No other question. All right, praise God. Let's, let's just thank God for his word. <clears throat> Father, we bless you. Give you glory. Thank you. We bless you, Father. We give you all the praise. Worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for for understanding. Bless your name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we bless you today. We give glory to your name. Thank you for um, you leading us today. Thank you for answering our prayers, the prayers and also the quest of our heart. Father, for impartation of understanding. Thank you for using this meeting today just to bring some clarity, to bring some understanding to these matters. Thank you for the word of God, two-edged sword, a piercing, to the dividing of our soul and spirit. That's the designer of the thought and the intents of the heart. Thank you, our Father, because you will use this understanding to bear fruit within us. We give you all the glory. We worship your holy name. Holy Spirit, I pray you, you are the one who knows the answer to all things. I ask that you will answer even the questions we are not able to ask, that you will speak to minister to us in a unique way. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim shine forth.